0: the professional's choice. All right so the next round of tools from the master group here I got a couple of cane tools and a yellow jacket scale. Now Kane is a brand I used their combustion analyzer back in the day it was one of the ones we had at the shop that I'd always sign out because I enjoyed using it I found it to to work really really well. Now in front of me here I got this infrared thermometer by Kane, and, and I'll do a, a Facebook slash Instagram demo but what What I find these things work really well for is if you go into an office space, there's a bunch of rooftop units, and you're in an office that's served by a bunch of different ones, Um, you can point the infrared gun at the diffuser and figure out which one's in heating, which one's in cooling, and you can show the customer. It's just good for your initial troubleshooting or initial problem solving. I find these things work really well for that. Anyway... Thanks to the Master Group, guys. Check out master.ca. So if you listen to the podcast on a regular basis, you'll know that Nice Job is a sponsor of the podcast, recent sponsor. Now, what they do is help build your online reputation for your business by putting a message back into the hands of the customer to remind them to review your work. You have to do really good work, obviously, to get a good review, but a lot of customers don't review your work after you leave. So if you want a review, you know you did good work, you know you deserve a five-star review, Nice Job allows the customer to get this message to remind them to review your work. Those reviews help build up your online presence to build that online reputation that you need. So in the, in the podcast notes, there's going to be a link. It's going to have a $50 coupon that you can use towards Nice Job products. So check them out. What's up, HVAC people? Welcome back to the podcast. We have another awesome interview for you guys. We got Mohit Kant from Armstrong. Now, he's going to talk to us about reducing carbon footprint, reducing greenhouse gases, and how there is a a mandate on buildings to do this over the next 25 years or so. And and if we don't, we could be seeing penalties. He's going to talk more about this, and he's going to talk about retrofitting buildings in order to reduce these things. And what he's going to talk about is starting with, as, as far as hydronics goes, starting with a pump that can give you feedback and information that will allow you to size your boiler properly or allow you to size your chiller or your cooling tower properly but starting with the pump and the flow of the system and getting a pump that can give you the feedback okay so he's he's very familiar with what's happening in New York right now as far as this and a lot of his experience is is talking about New York but this is this is a worldwide thing that's happening everybody is retrofitting buildings to reduce their carbon footprint because the world is trying to go greener so it's a good interview good podcast guys let's get to it right now this is the HVAC know-it-all podcast I'm your host Gary McCready welcome to the HVAC know-it-all podcast recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto Canada your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry, discussing all things HVAC, from storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. Mohit, how are you, man?
1: Doing well, Gary. How about you?
0: I'm doing well myself. It was a productive day. Got a got a lot of stuff done. We had to work off a lift today, a scissor lift, getting Ooh, uh nice. getting a compressor changed out on a a condensing unit for a walk-in box that was mounted about twelve feet in the air on some racking, and it was it was a pretty good job. There was two of us there. We took our time, and uh, we're going back tomorrow to finish it off. But uh, besides that, it's going well.
1: That's awesome, man. Well. Yes, yeah, so I've sold a few of those in a past life.
0: Yeah, cool. Those are fun. Who, <laughs> who, who did you work? Who did you work for in the past?
1: Uh, so I used to work for uh, care Oh, Intercare did you commercial? Yeah. Yep. Yeah so uh, I used to sell uh, I to sell a lot of boilers for them boilers and water heaters and uh, sold a bunch of these split units as well uh rooftop units you know the the whole gamut but my my bread and butter was boilers and water heaters hydronics
0: Cool man yeah you're you're a mm-hmm. hydronics guy and that's what we're going to talk about on this podcast but I would like first to maybe get your your role over at Armstrong and what you do for them currently <clears throat>
1: Absolutely. So um, I am uh, the Offering Manager for Energy Upgrades at Armstrong Fluid Technology, uh, and I'm responsible for uh, the business globally. Um, Now, Energy Upgrades is what we call the retrofit arm of our business. Um, The reason that uh, this position is fairly new, uh, and the reason that it's new, the reason that it exists is because retrofits are gaining popularity. And mm-hmm. uh globally, especially here in North America, because uh, of all the rebates and stuff that are on offer. And now with stuff like the carbon tax coming in in Canada, uh, in New York, you have this local on 97 that's coming into play. You're basically going to be penalizing people for, uh, for consuming uh, or sorry, for emitting uh, greenhouse gases beyond a certain limit. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, um, uh, they've been giving out the carrot for a while now. They've been giving out rebates for a while now, but, uh, now with all this good stuff coming in, uh, you're going to start seeing, at least we expect to start, uh, start seeing more adoption of, uh, deep retrofits across the continent.
0: Okay. When you say penalizing, uh, what mm-hmm. for uh, a certain... Uh, so basically reducing your carbon footprint or you're going to get penalized. Okay. So is well, there like a spe- specifics in that?
1: Yes. Yes. So uh, in New York, so I've been, I've been dealing a lot with New York, so I can tell you a little bit about that. Uh, basically what they're saying is they're going to, beyond a certain size, I believe it's 50,000 square feet uh, beyond a certain size of building. They are going to be setting benchmarks uh, based on application and a number of other factors, uh, location, uh, they're going to be setting benchmarks for how what what is the limit of greenhouse gases that you can be that you can emit right and those limits are going to get more stringent over time i believe um i believe the uh, the times that they have set up are 2024 uh 2035 and then 2050 right but obviously things can change uh, but so they're setting these benchmarks for all these buildings over 50,000 square feet. And they're saying that if you emit uh, or if your carbon footprint is anything higher than that, uh, you're going to have to pay uh, $268 per metric ton of CO2 equivalent extra. Right. So uh, there's a there's a website called B Exchange. B uh, that it's an organization. Uh, they have a website where they have a calculator which tells you uh, what's what kind, of, you know, where your building stands based on some da- uh, data that you enter, and it also pulls data from this other uh, from database that they have. Uh, and I personally found a number of buildings that are going to be owing millions of dollars annually starting twenty twenty four.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was that? It's, what was that it's, website it's, called? That with the calculator. Um,
1: uh, B Exchange. So B—that's B-E hyphen Exchange.
0: Okay, and perfect. And I
1: believe it's org.
0: org. Okay, that's that's yeah. that's cool. So people can go there and kind of play around and just kind of get ideas. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now that we've kind of talked about this and that, that's going to lead us into this topic and and retrofits as far as hydronic retrofits go to try mm-hmm. to, I guess. At, at these at these points, 24, 35, and 50, I, I believe is what you said, um, yeah. how, how to reduce our carbon footprint and starting with the hydronic side of the system. So how do we do that? Starting with hydronics in, in a retrofit application.
1: So anytime you're dealing with, uh, with an existing building where you, uh, you know, let's start with this first. North American infrastructure is old, right? It's quite old. And... The older a building is, the harder it is to find information on it, right? And especially if you look at your more developed cities, your New Yorks, your Torontos, your Chicagos, right? Their infrastructure is so aged, right? It has good bones, but it's so dated that it's and it's been through so many changes, right? Internally and externally, right? There have been things that have happened all over. What's happened is, the original plans that they had for most of these buildings no longer apply, right? So, and you've had a number of contractors walk through the door, right? Uh, You've had a number of engineers walk through the door. You have, you've had a number of projects that have happened. Spaces have been reconfigured, you know, and all these, all these wonderful things. So often you don't actually have any information on what's actually going on in the building. On top of that, Uh, a lot of these buildings don't have any sort of monitoring system in place, right? Or at least a robust monitoring system in place that can give you this, that can give you the most updated information So what do you do. Um, The way we look at it, the way Armstrong Flow Technology looks at it, what we managed to do uh, a few years ago with our design envelope pumps is we were able to use the pump as a flow meter right? Um, I won't go into you know technical specifics into exactly how we do that. But uh, what you need to know is if you install an Armstrong design envelope pump in a line, the pump will not only be able to tell you the flow and head in that line, it will also be able to control based on the flow and head at you know, similar to how a pump would be controlled with a sensor at a remote location, and it's got the controller in there and everything. So now the way we look at it, this pump is going, it starts giving you information, right? Now you know what the flow is, right? And if you com- if you combine that with temperature information, uh, you can figure out how, like what sort of energy flow you're seeing, right? Uh, and how efficient, your system actually is so that's the way we look at it that is where you should start right because especially if you don't have this information especially if you don't have intelligence in your system right you're still running off of your old atmospheric boilers and your constant speed pumps right things work but it's it's costing you a lot of money
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, so that's that's how we believe you should start your retrofit. Now, once you do this, we also have uh, we also have something called an active performance management suite. Right. Uh, essentially, what that is is you can connect your pump over to the internet, and you we provide you with a portal where you can now track your pump usage. Right. So you can track all sorts of parameters: your flow, your head flow ahead, historic trends uh, vibration analytics it doesn't predict uh, it gives you predictive maintenance alerts it gives you it gives you a whole gamut of things but the key there is you now have visibility into how your system is working and you don't need an expensive BMS to be able to do that right using this information you can now start looking downstream you can start looking at your bigger equipment you can start looking at your boilers or your chillers whatever may be the case and you can actually measure how efficiently your equipment is really working. And you can compare it to where you can be, right? Based on the latest technology that's available. Uh, Often, another thing that we see is your, a lot of most mechanical equipment, in fact, especially in North America, is severely oversized, right? Because often when these things are designed, especially in older buildings, they're designed with a certain load in mind. And that load often either no longer exists uh, or you know buildings change, things happen all the time. Uh, and on top of that, they tack on, uh, engineers tack on safety factors, right? Safety factors upon safety factors. So almost every single time, you wind up with a severely oversized system. And the thing with severely oversized systems is that most of the time, if not all the time, they are inefficient, right? Uh, Something maybe, uh, you know, often we've seen uh, where we have a system designed for 0.8 kilowatts per ton, right? The chiller system, but it's actually operating at 1.2, 1.5. This is why. So this approach, the approach that I outlined, also allows you to see if your system is oversized or not based on this flow and. Uh, temperature data, right? So, and this is something we like to say in, in our company and, you know, wherever we can, that flow informs. If you if you have this flow information, you can use it to make a, an informed decision on upgrading the major equipment in your building. And often you can see savings of anywhere from 30 to 60, 70% in hydronic systems. Flowing systems are a different story. We'll get to that after. But you can see significant savings when you go down this road, you take this approach. And this is just on the operating side. On the capital side, you're going to see additional savings because now you're right-sizing your equipment based on this information. You no longer have to go for, for example, you're no, like if, you're, if your existing ball is 2 million BTUs, you no longer have to go for that. You can now go for maybe 1.5, maybe a 1 million. Who knows, depending on what, the, what your actual load is.
0: So the experimenting continues with the Haven IAQ Central Air Monitor, also known as the CAM. I've got one on my return, one on my supply. I just put there recently. Now, some broccoli was burnt on the stove. I'm not, na- I'm not naming names. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> anyway, broccoli burnt on the stove. I went to the Pro Portal, and I looked at the PM2.5 for the return and the supply. PM2.5 is particulate matter at 2.5 micrometers. Now, it was it was in the 250s. On the return and down in the 180s on the supply, meaning the filter grabbed a lot of that, about 25% of it right off the bat. But I'll admit, my filter is not tight around the frame. There's areas where air could bypass. So experimenting is going to continue. You can try different filters, try tightening up that filter and see if it reduces that even further. Uh, It took about four hours until everything sort of came back to normal. So that is the magic of monitoring your indoor air. You can monitor it and figure out ways to fix issues in your home like vocs like pm 2.5 like humidity and stuff like that anyway rls rapid locking system formerly zoom lock it's now on their own they're they're not affiliated with parker Sporland anymore just so you guys are aware um but it is the future it is the future of pipe fitting i i wholeheartedly believe that and I mean, brazing still a thing and people still love to braze and it's still a good method. I just see it being the future because there's, there's a little bit of less work that goes into planning, uh, especially with building permits, fire permits, bypassing smokes. We're not lighting stuff on fire, uh, cleaner system. Cause we're not setting up the nitrogen and all that kind of stuff. Um, and if we don't set up the nitrogen, we're going to have that carbon buildup and techs, forget this to do this all the time and we we get carbon buildup plug dryers plug screens rls is going to prevent all that from happening so i think it's the future stay tuned on this one for sure okay so as far as refrigeration technologies they have a very cool oil management system i guess you could call it for checking acidity in oil it's called the checkmate it comes with a uh, contraption you, you fit a tube into And you can put a couple of drips of oil or you can attach it to the system. The way I did it, I had the oil out, poured it out of the compressor, put a couple drops into the contraption, pressurized it with system pressure. Basically, it pushes that oil along the tube to get to the test strip and it changes color. And I found out I had some acidic oil. Now, I did read the manual carefully because the first test I did, I made a mistake. And John Pastorello, super nice guy, messaged me uh behind the scenes and said hey you used the wrong tube so i deleted my post and i and i used the right tube fixed it found out i had acidic oil that system is called the checkmate so if you want to look into it now you know what it's called supco trade fox their brand to build technician invented tools is still ongoing if you have a tool idea a drawing a prototype uh, a 3d printer uh contraption that, that you want to sort of take to market, reach out to SUPCO because they have all the tools in place to help you do that. You guys can partner together and figure that out. The email for that is ideas at TradeFox.com So I, I got a question. Um, so back in the day back in the day I was working on a an office and it had i think three or four different water cooled systems for uh server rooms and and the and the lady that was taking mm-hmm. care of the facilities she's like uh can you install some btu meters on these units and i and i and i kind of giggled and i'm like those don't exist btu meter i'm like what's what's, <laughs> what's so right and i'm like ah those those don't exist she's like yeah you just you attach it to the system and it tells you how many btus it's using Yep. And then, and then I talked to uh, a coworker a couple of weeks later and he's like, well, you know, if, if you got the flow and you got the temperature in and out and it put it into a calculation for you, yeah, it could tell you exactly how many BTUs you're actually getting out of that machine. Right. Yep. So, so does, does that system, um, does the design envelope pump show you this in some way or form actually how many BTUs you're getting out of your boiler? With with it, you know what I mean at at a specific time like if it's modulating or whatever you know what I mean.
1: I I get I get what you, I get where you're, uh, where you get, I get where you're coming from. So no, it does not currently. It it is a capability that uh, we're working on. Okay. Uh, right, and again, the idea would be that you're getting the flow from flow and head from the pump, uh, but if, if we connect a temperature sensor downstream. You would be able to use that temperature data along with the flow data, like you mm-hmm. uh, like you described, to calculate the BTUs. Yeah. Yeah. and it won't be using a BTU meter because uh, one of the things, one of the biggest reasons why why we are really playing on the sensorless technology is that sensors are expensive to maintain and they're often unreliable. So we want to get as much information as we can without using too many sensors or too complex sensors
0: Mm -hmm. gotcha okay
1: so once
0: we have like 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 we talked about getting a pump that can that can tell what your flow is and so you can calculate Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of stuff and figure out what you need for your building what's the next step after that as as far as the hydronic retrofits so we we want to we want to size the boiler to the to like an average that we're seeing or like uh, how, how are we going to go about doing that?
1: So you, you have data all the way down to five minute intervals, right? So you don't have to actually size on an average. It often, I mean, y- you have to size for peak load, right? Yeah. So uh, you can actually take three or six months of data, right? Uh, depending on which, when your heating season is and how long it is. You can take, that you can take that six months of data and see. Okay, you know this was the peak. This, uh, you know, this, and when the peak was, how long the peak was. You can see all of that information based on the data that you get out of uh, out of the pump. Once you have this information, once you have that peak load, you can now go on and design the rest of your system based on that peak load, right? Uh, obviously, there's a number of things to consider down the line. Uh, you know, you got to make sure that uh, if, if it's a radiator-based system, you got to make sure the rads are designed to be able to take the flow that's uh, that's coming out of your newer system, right? Uh, but for the most part, you will now know exactly what your, exactly what your system design should be. And on top of that, when you go to the latest technology with your condensing boilers, you know this. It's it, the, the efficiencies are ridiculous. When you're in condensing mode, you're you have near 100% efficiency, right? Like 98, 99. It's you see it often.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and that's the next step, right? To intelligently design your entire hydronic system. To not just go. To not just say, okay, you know what, uh. It turns out I don't need 2 million BTUs. I only need a million BTUs. So let's just buy a million BTU condensing boiler and go with there. No. Uh, that's the first step. The second step is understanding how to operate it, right? Understanding how you can optimize your system. And this is going to take some design. It's going to take some work. But understanding how you can balance out uh, your pump energy, as well as ensure your boiler is running in condensing uh, in condensing mode, right? Uh, and the biggest reason for that is if your condensing boiler is not running in condensing mode, you're not going to see those deficiencies, right? It'll drop down to 90, it'll drop down to 85. And that will lead to higher carbon emissions, which, like we discussed earlier, is a very bad thing. It's bad for the environment, and in a lot of regions, it's going to be very bad for your pocket. Mm. Hmm. Right. So, uh, this is this is what we call the roadmap, right? Uh, yeah. And you see the same thing in cooling systems, right? Uh, except the numbers there are just larger chillers are monsters. Uh, but you see the same thing down there where you can, based on the flow data, you're able to right size your cooling towers and your chillers, and you save significant amounts in capital costs and there's an added uh in cooling systems at least there's an added step where you can now optimize a system to ensure you are using basically you're loading the chiller as less as possible and you're transferring most of the load over to your cooling tower since your cooling towers uh, are just more efficient in cooling right thanks to Thanks to having access to latent heat and and all that good stuff. So and that's another solution we offer, where you can now once you've gone once you've right sized the system, you can now optimize your system. Right? We offer these optimization modules that work with your BAS or uh, work with the control that, a controller that we can supply. And what this does is it maps out your entire uh, uh, your entire load. Right, and matches it over to uh, the efficiency curves of each individual equipment, and based on that, it creates optimized. Uh, it creates optimized points of operation based on your usage, and it learns as time goes on. It learns from itself as well as other systems like it from the cloud.
0: I want to know, you know what, I, I want to know who the, the people that are designing these things, because they're, they're smart as <laughs> they're smart as anything, you know, what I mean, like, I, I wouldn't just wake up one day and okay, I, I'm going to design this pump and this boiler are going to work together, they're going to optimize, uh, we're going to save tons of money, like, where, where would you even start to to, 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 to do that? You know what I mean? It just, it blows my mind away that That people have the intelligence to design stuff like this. But I I do want to talk about energy savings because you threw out some big numbers that you've seen, like 30, 50, 70%. Like, Mm -hmm. why are these numbers so big? Like, what happened in the past to cause things to be so inefficient or so oversized or so undersized? Like, what was going on before that now that we can save all this money? Like, what, what was going on in the past?
1: So based on what you just said, I realized I just threw that's through the entire profession of engineering under the bus, and
0: that's
1: <laughs> you know that that's not the case. No,
0: it's uh, you, you did. It's everything's evolving. <laughs> everything's evolving. We're all evolving together, right?
1: Yes, uh, but at the same time, you know, we should give them their props. You know, in today's day and age, we have computer aided everything. Back yeah. then. You know, you you didn't have all that. You did everything by hand. You did all the math by hand. It's it was crazy. It was a crazy time, but it's not that these systems are badly designed, right? They were designed well for the time that they were designed in. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Right. Uh, I'll,
1: I'll, right. So I'll give an example. Take uh, just take a regular like domestic cold water plumbing system. Right. It's very straightforward a boost and you know these these domestic water plumbing uh, these the boosting systems if they were designed in let's say the 80s could have been state of the art at that point but the fixtures that they were supplying to were old school right they're using i think what 3 or 4 liters per uh, per second per minute I, I don't remember the numbers but it was much it was very high these days y- your fixtures use maybe a tenth of that so what ends up happening is the system that was originally designed, which was well-designed for its time, no longer applies. Right?
0: Yeah, it makes sense. So that,
1: right? So that changes things. Uh, your windows. Windows have gotten so much better. Light has gotten so much more efficient. All of these things play into your hydronic loads. And when you change all of these things, excuse me, which are relatively easy to change, relatively, you know, they're pretty cheap, uh, short payback times, very attractive projects. Once you do all of these things, your building load changes, and a system that was once efficient no longer is. Add to that the age of the equipment, lack of service, right? Lack of maintenance, right? And I'm sure you know this already there's a severe shortage of technicians. And Mm -hmm. that combined with just mindsets of the mechanical room being out of sight, out of mind, uh, has led to systems just being badly maintained over time.
0: Yeah. And and that just compounds the process. Yeah. And and to your point too, I I think that a lot of uh, there's, there's a lot of old equipment out there that has been, Hey, like you need to replace this. You need to do something about this. And it's always Mm -hmm. like, ah, just, just fix it one more year. Next year we'll replace it. And then, you know what I mean? And then, then it never gets replaced. So it, it always just sits there getting bandaid and bandaid and over time it, yeah, all these band-aids and, and you've kept it running. Yes. For the customer, but how inefficient has it gotten? Right yeah yep. over time so yeah what, what what that makes sense too what you said about the windows and and stuff like that and just everything advances. like one thing advances they change something here but they don't change something over there right and and they don't catch up so it's like you almost have to take it all out together and and uh <laughs> slap in a, in a in a whole new system that's that's optimized so that kind of leads me into into my next question is what are buildings doing now to get These savings out of the their old equipment and changing to new stuff.
1: So, uh, honestly, you have a very wide berth of kind of things that are happening, right? Uh, You're seeing so your utility rebates actually play a very big part in this, right? Because they really help in offsetting a large amount of the cost, right? I've seen. In certain areas, I've seen up to seventy percent of the project costs being covered by utility rebate. And the reason, the biggest reason why utilities are providing rebates is because they are reaching capacity in terms of uh, in terms of the amount of power they can produce. So now they're reaching a point where they either need to upgrade their own infrastructure to be able to account for, to, to account for all this uh, increase in demand. Or they help us consumers reduce the amount of energy we need for the same amount of consumption, mm-hmm. right? So that is one thing that's really helping this process in terms of where this money is going. Uh, for the most part, uh you know you know real estate guys uh they're they're looking for the best payback right they're looking for the best bang for the buck so uh the first the first few measures are usually lighting and lighting and windows right because they're easy they're not they're not invasive and uh quick payback then they start looking at uh the mechanical room okay what can we do there uh and that's where things get a little muddy, because like I mentioned right off the bat, there's a lack of information. Right With, with a bulb, you can pull out the bulb, you can say, all right, yeah, it's a 60-watt you know, bulb, I can replace it with a 10-watt, good to go. Can't exactly and shouldn't exactly do that with mechanical systems. So then a, either they either they have a contractor they really like, they worked with, the building's not too big. You know, it, it isn't too capital intensive, so you know they can they can do things just uh, the uh, they can do things the old fashioned way. You talk to the contractor. You know what what do you suggest? What works? What doesn't? Sign the contract. Here we go. Or when you start getting into your bigger players, right? Uh, your large skyscrapers, or uh, even your even your relatively smaller building, but still still sizable buildings. Uh, now you now you have to get an engineer involved and, uh, you know, you got to bend it out and got to go through that entire process. So when you do that and you go through engineers, these guys are going to do a detailed study, but they're still going to make the mistake of tacking on additional uh, safety factors, right? Um, mm-hmm. They're going to, no, they're, they're going to do things like sizing for duty standby operation, right, or uh, sizing for n plus one, what we call, and that, when combined with the safety factors, really number one raises your capital costs because let's put some numbers to this, right? Let's say your design, your design calculation, say you only need 100 GPM, tack on, uh, tack on 20 percent in safety. And then you go with M plus 1. So now, effectively, you've got, you only require 100 GPM, but you've sized your system for 240 GPM. And again, this is based on design calculations. The design calculations are theoretical. They may or may not apply or be completely right. So you could end up in a situation where your actual flow is only a third of what you've designed your system for and that leads to an inefficient operation you're locked in another 20-year cycle what do you do yeah. so which is why we recommend to go piece by piece start with the pump get some real data based on that real data go for the next piece of equipment and this way number one when you change out your pump you're going to start seeing savings immediately
0: Right? Mm-hmm.
1: day one you're going to start seeing savings that will help you fund your next project
0: I, Number I'm, two. I'm going to i'm going to be, before you go to two I'm, yep. I'm going to back up that claim uh mm-hmm. about the pump saving money i read a i think i've mentioned this before but it was a downtown office tower uh one of the big bigger ones and i read an article this is going back maybe three, four years ago, where they had changed all the pumps in the building to VFD pumps and they had like a 30% energy savings just off that, right? Yeah. Just, just off that. So mm-hmm. I, I I completely understand where you're coming from and then then you yeah. change the equipment from there and then there might be another 10, 15%, um, so on and so forth. So that yeah. that article sort of backed up exactly what you said by um, having the pumps changed and, mm-hmm. and the right flow and all that. Um, yeah. Helping you save money. Anyway, go on. Go on to number two. Sorry, man. I just had to throw that in there.
1: It's all good. Uh, I actually wanted, I wanted to add something to that. It's not sure. enough that it's not enough that you just change your pumps to either an either a smart pump or uh, or kind VFD on it. Right? Uh, you got to make sure it's being controlled properly. It's being controlled well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Right.
1: And because I mean, this is this is again a very common problem you see all over North America. Where a few years ago. Uh the uh utilities came out with these programs where they were essentially giving out VFTs for free. So, you know, it's it was like it's like Oprah, you know, you get one, you get one, everybody gets one. And what ended up happening was these VFTs were installed, tacked on the wall, set to 90% or 95% of speed, and then forgotten about. It. So, sure, you're seeing you're still seeing some savings, right? Uh but you're not seeing nearly the kind of savings that you should be seeing because you're not controlling the problem.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? And that's where the intelligence really comes in to be able to set it up properly, to have to have that manufacturer guidance, right? To have that visibility into your system into where it should actually be working. It's retro-commissioning, right? Retro-commissioning is a huge industry now. It's only getting bigger. This is why. Because we trap a lot of energy thanks to bad practice, Within our mechanical room, we shell out for the top of the line, and often still end up messing it up by not commissioning your equipment properly. So that's that's a, that's another key area to be able to maximize the efficiency of what you have.
0: Yeah, you know what? It 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 makes sense from from an engineering standpoint, and and paralleling it to to me being a tech in the field and seeing old school techs kind of lick their finger, put it to the wind, touch the pipe. Yeah. It's beer can cold. Like there's no data it's just going by feel. Right. And I think that's how a lot of these systems were sort of set up. Like I've, I've actually seen (laughs) techs with their hand on pipes, like adjusting valves and stuff to try to get nowadays we have, we have all this, technology that's smart that gives us all this data and kind of yep. points us in the right direction so i understand that this this old school way being sort of clunky and and yep. and and being inefficient to now where we have and the difference is the data right the the 100 is the, is the data is the difference
1: yeah it's, it's the data and the insights that you can actually deliver and you can actually you know get from this data because see that's another thing there's death by data is the thing where you have so much information everywhere, you don't know what to look at, you don't know what to do with it. So, and that is why, you know, uh, Armstrong has really put a lot of effort and a lot of resources into developing these, uh, these applications, which you can use that actually give you insight, right? It won't just tell you your flow is 100 GPM. It'll tell you, you've got low flow, right? It won't just tell you your pump it won't just tell you your pump is vibrating this much on the x-axis this much on the y-axis this much on the z axis it'll tell you that it is vibrating far more than it should be you should go have a look at it right it'll mm-hmm. tell you this could lead to bearing failure if you get all these insights and the way I look at it these insights are less for a building owner even less for a super. They're most important for technicians such as yourself. Because now, before you even go to site, when you get that call, the first thing the first thing you say is, okay, let me have a look at this portal. Let me see what what's going on. You look at it and you can tell, okay, it's been vibrating this much. Okay, these are the kind of tools I'm gonna to need. This is, you know, these are the parts I'm gonna need. Fantastic. I can go, I can get things done. So now, as opposed to you having to go in first, uh, you know, just do a just diagnosing on the first call, then going back, ordering parts, going through that whole gamut, coming back, and then fixing what you need to fix, putting in all that time and all those resources, you can have your effort, right? And this works fantastic across the board. For service contractors, you can now do more with the same resources. For building owners, you're significantly better on downtime, right? Everybody saves money across the board.
0: Yeah, yeah, man. I I, I personally love the the data myself and, and how it's mm-hmm. helped me to make my job better just day to day. Yeah, but I I haven't actually been involved in in big large projects where we've taken big building data and and used it to turn the building into a more efficient envelope. And I, if, I haven't been part of that, but I, th- I think mm-hmm. that would be super cool to to get um, into sort of doing stuff like that once in a while, just to see like what happens, like the original data that we collect now and, and what we're going to do to fix it. And then the end result, it would be super cool to go through that hole process and, and i'm doing it now with, with certain things like um mm-hmm. like iaq sensors like with the haven iaq cam like taking data of my home's indoor air quality and using it mm-hmm. to to play around and and um, maybe put my hrv on high manually i got to do it manually right now but if if we're cooking and um like i, I just i noticed this last week I was cooking burnt some broccoli um mm-hmm. the the particulate in the home goes way up So I should be knowing now in my brain that, Hey, now if we burn something, I should go over to my HRV and turn it on high instead of low now, because now we have this extra particulate in the home that's been caused. And and that's what data does. It, it educates you and and allows you to, to make changes that are better and, and a a bit more positive. So, um, yeah, man, great, great conversation. So is there anything else you want to add in regarding retrofits? Um, energy savings or anything like that before we head out for the night.
1: Um yes. Well, let, me, uh, let me put this together. So one thing I would like to say is up uh, so we didn't really talk about plumbing systems as much uh in in domestic cold water, domestic cold water boosters, sorry. Uh con English right now. In domestic cold water boosters, you can see savings of up to 90%. Wow. So yeah yeah so what I would suggest uh, for all the listeners is uh, you know if if you're in contracting uh, have a look at your install base I'm sure you're gonna find situations where you can save your customers a lot of money uh, for building owners and for supers for facility managers have a look in your mechanical room there's a lot a lot of that could be done, right? If you have any constant speed systems, if you have uh, your any atmospheric boilers, you have you know your uh, your old school chillers, have a look at this stuff because legislation isn't there yet. You're not being penalized yet, but it is coming and it is coming very soon. So it is best to get ahead of it. You don't want to be in a situation where, You know, in a year, you're going to have to start paying a carbon tax or, you know, whatever the penalty is called where you are. Uh, Best get ahead of it. Uh, It takes time to do these projects. They're not easy. They're not quick. Uh, They're highly engineered. They're super complex. And, uh, you know, we're here to help. We're here to help. Uh, We're here to help you owners. We're here to help your contractors. We're here to, to help your engineers. We've been in this business for the last 80 years. Uh, you know, we've been focused, laser focused on flow and what we can do with it and, you know, uh, how it affects your entire building. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, I guess that, that, that's what I'm going to leave you with. Just Awesome. Just look inside your mechanical room. <laughs> per-
0: perfect. And and the, the uh, sort of the initiatives to, to get this changed, is there a name for it or is it different names in different places?
1: um when you say initiatives to get this changed uh yeah like
0: mean, the, like the 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 carbon footprint to reduce it in in these sort of milestone uh, years is there a name for this whole project yes, so it,
1: yes in in New York uh it, there's law it's called local law 97 that is mandating this okay uh, the urban green council has some fantastic resources on their website that uh, you guys should check out uh they give you they give you the lowdown on, uh, you know, they have a fantastic, like, just two-page summary that gives you everything you need to know about Local Law Lo 97.
0: Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, Mohit, that's been awesome, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time tonight.
1: Thank you for having me, Gary. It was, it's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you, Mohit. Awesome conversation. So I guess the moral of the story here, guys, if you have customers with older equipment and efficient equipment, it's time to look at the carbon footprint, the, the greenhouse gases and trying to reduce these things and letting them know that potentially there are fines to be paid later in the future. If these things aren't dealt with, do your, do your research guys. It's, it's always best to go out, do your research, get on top of things. But this is, this podcast is a start for that. Go out and do some research and, and, and look at some different things you can do with it within buildings. And it, what Mohit was saying, if, if you start with a pump, and you can figure out what you need from there, it might, be a good, it might be a good thing to do. So, guys, that's it. I'm out. Thank you once again to the Master Group. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.